You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Fritz and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Everybody to this edition of God Stories Radio. This is session 317. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. What is going on out there, God Stories Radio peeps? Hey, it looks like we have Robert Herman. Mr. On. Robert Herman on tonight with us live. Hello, Robert. On the Mixler. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Always good to have the brother. Yeah. We uh we just got some uh, craziness playing tonight. And what craziness would that be? Well, I have a very, very, very good friend of mine and brother in Christ, Mr. Josh Gajanowitz. How do you say it? Gajanwick. It is Gajanik. Yes, very Gajanik. good try. It's very good try. Thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. Welcome, everybody around the world to God Stories Radio. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you, brother. And uh, I just know there's... Uh, I know uh, since there's um, some things on your heart mm -hmm. and you got a microphone and millions of people to talk to. So absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So great to have you. Thanks for uh, taking uh, time out of your busy schedule and congratulations are in order. Uh, yes. Because, uh, Thank you. Your wife is pregnant. Mm -hmm. Pregnant again. with our fourth child Number coming up. Four. Mm -hmm. Yes. We wow. have, we have three beautiful kids already. Uh, the oldest is six years old. Then we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So wow. uh, prayers for my sanity and my wife's sanity, please. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. You oh. betcha. You betcha. You guys will have your hands full. Absolutely. <laughs> if but, you didn't already. <laughs> yes, but it, they're all very much a gift from God. Yes. Indeed. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Such precious ages. I'll tell you too. that littlest one, I just want to... I don't, uh, I just want to hug her up, man. She has a little love ministry. That's she what we say. Does man? She is just her demeanor mm -hmm. and everything is that is the sweetest child on the planet. The way that she looks into your eyes and then she desires to be held by you, it's like none other feeling in the world. Aww. It really isn't. Aww. <laughs> That's so precious. Oh, uh, she's amazing, babe. You, you, I hope you get to meet her. I hope so too. They bring her to rehearsals uh, a lot of times, you know, and let her <clears throat> play in uh, in the Wesley. And uh, she is just so cute, man. She gets that little ball and runs it around, and gives the gives the boys a fit. <laughs> just a beauty. Well, Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, things that are going on, happenings in your life. With, uh, possibly, uh, what was the the two by four over the head, so to speak? You know, and you, you came to Christ, and mm -hmm. what was the realization mm -hmm. that you couldn't function without Him? Hey, babe, yeah. before he gets into all that, maybe he could give us a little background about himself. Well, that's what I'm asking. Uh, you know, totally. that to present day. So. Yeah. 
So yeah. most recently, I suppose, um, right now, I am the youth director for Living Hope Church in Claremont, Florida. Uh, it has been quite a blessing to lead uh, these youths in, in the ways of Christ, ultimately, teaching them about who God is, teaching them biblical literacy, things like that, and getting to witness what God is doing in their lives and the lives of their families. That's one thing I didn't really expect when I was getting into student ministry was how much I was going to see the siblings' lives change and the parents' lives change just through the work that we do in student ministry. So everything that God's been doing has just been amazing so far. Um, my wife and I used to live in Illinois, uh, the Naperville, Aurora kind of area, which is about 30 minutes outside of Chicago. And we moved in 2019 uh, down here to Florida because we felt God calling us here. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have a good reason to move, except I don't like the cold. <laughs> I hate the cold. It's like six months of winter in Illinois. Right. No offense to my Chicagoan friends up there, but uh, yeah, the, the winters are brutal. So we decided to move down here, you know, oh yeah, it's close to Disney and you know, the weather's nice, but ultimately we felt called to come down here. Uh, I started working at the boathouse in Disney Springs. That oh, yeah. was a great. Oh yeah. Love that place. I love their food so yeah. much. It was a great place to work at the time. And then COVID came around. Right. Right. And I felt so blessed that God took us from Illinois down here to Florida because my family that was living in Illinois at the time, they told me about how harsh the lockdowns were. Right. And I felt like God had really rescued us out of that. So it was a huge blessing for sure. When you when you stop and you think about how difficult so many people had it, I mean, we really were blessed in Florida. Mm -hmm. Oh, my you know? gosh. And yeah. A lot of businesses I know were grateful, too, because so many people just went out of business during that time frame. Yeah. So yeah, I was reading that something like a third of all small businesses across the country closed for good. Yeah, that's so sad. It is sad. My heart goes out to all of those people who had their lives practically ruined. Well, you know, Charles, right, that, that's on my team. Yes. And um, that happened to him. Yep. Even with all the the uh, in incentives, Correct. employee incentives and things like that, he still had to close. He couldn't do it. Yep. The, uh, the financial burden was just too high. Oh, yeah. And the same thing happened. The same thing happened to churches as well. My dad knew a pastor in Tampa, actually, whose church closed down for good because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's just so unfortunate to see how much uh, destruction that brought with it. Uh, but I also believe that God is so good through the process. Yes, and he that is. He continues to show people how he's taking care of them. Mm -hmm. He took care of our family in several ways. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get unemployment during that time for like five months and we had absolutely no way to pay our rent, but God mm -hmm. came through and we were able to not get evicted when the eviction uh, notices started coming in. So that was, that was huge. Yeah. It's, it was such a perilous time for so many people. Mm -hmm. I know during that time I had gotten furloughed and I was so grateful that God provided during that time frame. Mm -hmm. For us, because I don't know what we would have done, but you yeah. know, he just took care of you us. You had to fight for it, but you got it. 
definitely. Well, <laughs> I think everybody during that time frame, it oh was, my gosh, it was yeah. difficult. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. You couldn't log online because it w- every server in the country was just trashed with people oh, trying yeah. to get on there and, yeah, you know, definitely. get their checks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a tough time, but we, we did make it through with the help of the good We board. did. We really Absolutely. were blessed. So yes, that's we're great. grateful as well. My, the thing that breaks my heart probably the most out of any of these things, though, are the way that it affected students, young mm-hmm. kids especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are seeing that there is a huge crisis in our kids right now because of their lack of education during the COVID shutdowns, mm-hmm. because they were not able to go to school. They are practically held back in a sense because many of these teachers would continue to pass them even though they would not normally meet passing grades because that was kind of the edict that came down from the school systems. So you have kids that maybe didn't pass fifth grade that are now in eighth or ninth grade at this point and they still don't have a fifth grade education fully fleshed out. Yep, they're suffering. And so there is a huge problem with our youth right now because they are deficient in certain areas where maybe in our generations before we were uh, more well-rounded, you know? I 100% agree with that. I have a teenage, well, he's not a teenager anymore. He just turned 20. But um, I had a son who was in high school during that time frame and he was on a 504 plan And so it used to take great efforts between his teachers and myself to help him through his classes. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and that help is no longer there. Um, And he's expected to do online school and to basically do it on his own without any direction or guidance because I'm working or I'm, you know, trying to figure out how we take care of everything. And um, so that was tough. You know, that was really tough. Plus, you know, you, you recognize two people were getting sick during that time frame too. Right. So you might've been dealing with illnesses as well, compounded mm-hmm. with everything. So sadly he got caught in all of that and he yeah. was never able to recover from that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of kids. Yeah. A lot of Absolutely. kids in yeah. that, in that zone. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about doing youth ministry now and having an understanding of those things, knowing that they may not be as well developed as they should be at this age, we can kind of take it a step back and say, okay, how can we work with these kids and not trying to demean them or anything, but kind of treat them like they're a little bit younger than we would normally expect them to be? Because normally I have high expectations for a senior in high school. But right now, I can't treat a senior in high school like I used to, you know, three, four years ago. I have to treat them more like they're just coming into high school, like a ninth grader or something Mm, like that. Wow. At least in their maturity level, so that I can be patient and kind and loving with them and share the gospel of Christ and try to help them at least make good choices during their time in the youth group so that when they get to college, they have a grounded faith so that they can kind of start to accelerate their life a little bit. Wow, that sounds like a <laughs> a good plan. It's a doozy. We'll say that. <laughs> and you, it, you, you took the word right out of my mouth. Yeah, it's hard because you, you do have expectations when you look at a child 
you know, who's a certain age, you have yeah. automatic expectations. So when they're not hitting those thresholds, you know, you causes you to second guess a lot. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I see that. Um, and I can understand what you're saying about the maturity too, because they would have had, you know, a year plus, maybe let, let's say two years of actual physical interaction where they are continuing to develop social skills that was just taken away from them. Yep. So, you know, that's two years that they don't get back that they have to learn how to rebuild, mm-hmm. you know, from where they left off. Yeah. People like to rag on homeschool kids all the time for that reason, that they don't get enough socialization. Sure. But yeah. homeschool kids get a lot more than that, I'll tell you. Yeah, they do. Actually, I've always found homeschool kids to be pretty well-rounded. Yeah, and they got their own mm-hmm. like uh, own special clubs, and they meet up places. For real. And they got the homeschool parents club, and I wish I they was party on Friday night. And it's, yeah, homeschool's a trip. The homeschool kids I have now are way more mature and way smarter yeah. than the public school kids that I have. Again, not to demean my public school kids, but there's just something there. Well, yeah, and they're not dealing, when you're homeschooling, you're not dealing with the ratios that the teachers are dealing True. with, except, you know, because you don't have 30 kids mm-hmm. that you're trying to teach. You're yeah. just trying to teach one. And trust me. It I'm, does on a Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I, I personally do have to deal with that on Wednesday night. Hey, but uh, Hats off to you, brother. You've done a very, very good job. And there's some kids mm-hmm. that I can point out in particular that you've done a very, very good job with. And they well, continue to come back. Thank you for that. Uh, the thing is, like, God just works it out. You know, I have to... I have to take my hands off the control so many times because otherwise I'm going to steer that ship in the wrong direction. But when God is in control, everything works out truly. And that, you know, that really is kind of the, the epicenter of where my testimony comes from. Uh, if I kind of go back and talk about how I was led to Christ, uh, there was a whole lot of letting go that needed to happen. So way back, uh, I was a bit of a believer when I was a little kid. Uh, At the age of five, I accepted Jesus into my heart. It was so beautiful, so sweet. And then by the age of 10, my parents kind of gave me the decision to stop going to church if I wanted to. And so I was like, I'm totally going to play video games all Sunday. Yeah. So I stayed home. No brainer. No brainer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But what that did to me, by the time I was 12, I was severely depressed. And I started blaming God for all of my problems. Mm-hmm. So I told him in my bedroom one night that I don't believe in you anymore, God, which is such an oxymoron. Right. Didn't understand it at the age of 12, <laughs> but it really was kind of funny in that way. Um, and then, you know, life got much darker. Uh, I had chronic depression constantly. It was horrible. And I started turning to drugs and alcohol by the time I was. 14. 14, I started drinking. I also started smoking for the first time. And then it got progressively worse throughout high school. Um, By the time I was a sophomore, I was um, smoking marijuana every single day to just get out of bed, to go to school, to get home. I would do it as often as I possibly could to escape the reality that I was in because I was so depressed and I just didn't want to be around anyone. So you were a functional user? Functional, sure. Yeah. We, we could say functional. I don't was, know. 
I don't know about functional. I mean, per some, se. Pe- some people can do that, and then you don't even you can't even tell. No, it, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell. I would in my junior year of high school, I would walk into school with moccasins, pajama pants, and a Beatles hoodie. Oh, that was, and I had prescription. Oh, please shaded tell me you have a glasses. picture of that. No, thankfully, I've destroyed all of the evidence on the oh, internet. There, it does not exist anymore. But you know what, Josh? You're not the only one. Like, no, you are not. This is a common mantra yes, with with young boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and my heart really is breaking for these kids, it you is. know? Yeah. And these days, you have to be so much more scared for them because the drugs are being laced with things yep. now. And now... Fentanyl is the big problem. You know, Mm -hmm. all the marijuana and stuff is being laced with fentanyl. And that's creating other problems for these kids. Kids are dropping dead because of it. Yeah. And it's it's awful. And that's the medical stuff too. Right. And it's it's messed up. You know, taking a prescription pill that you think is maybe just gonna get rid of your pain for a while and you can feel good. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're on the floor. It's insanity. Um, for me, you know. Thankfully, I didn't have to experience that too much. Uh, there was one particular time where someone had laced my marijuana with heroin, and that was horrible. That was one of those experiences where wow. I really had to question my life. And I think I was a junior at that time, but I hadn't stopped for another two years. I was still going back to it constantly. And senior year was even worse. Uh, I started going to a lot of parties where we were constantly drinking, uh, doing harder drugs, uh, getting into psychedelics and things like that. Mm. And uh, it was just reaching a pinnacle at that point. And I thought that I wasn't going to go anywhere in life at that point. Mm -hmm. I just, I presumed that I was going to overdose within the next year or two. Oh my goodness. That was the disposition that I had. Because once again, I did not care about myself and I did not care about a future at all at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, God had been working in the background and I just had not seen it fully yet. Mm. But there were times where I would hear something and I would think to myself, like, what is that? What is that like deep inside of me calling out to not do this anymore? Is it just my conscience? Mm-hmm. My mother would stay up with me a lot. Uh, after I would go on these benders, uh, she would stay up till two in the morning coming home, seeing me in the state that I was in. And she would tell me about Jesus. And she would remind me of the person that I wanted to be when I was a kid. Because what I wanted, what I wanted to be when I was a kid was a pastor. Mm-hmm. That's what I told my parents. When everyone said, what do you want to be when you grow up? My five-year-old self was like, I want to be a pastor someday. Mm-hmm. And here I am, you know, 17 years old, and I'm strung out on drugs, coming home uh, late at night, you know, on a school night. And here's my mom reminding me of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. And that ate away at me so badly as I continued in this depravity, continuing in this sin and this, uh, this escapism that I was in. One day, when I was in senior year of high school, uh, my one of my best friends had just gotten arrested the night before, and I woke up that morning. It was his birthday, March 15th. March 15th, the Ides March. Uh, that is a really uh, 
sour day for me in general, because that's also the day that my grandfather died like 10 years before. Mm -hmm. And he was like my best friend growing up. And he's the, the picture of what I think a believing man of Jesus is supposed to be. So here I am walking to school on the anniversary of his death, my best friend's birthday, who had just gotten arrested the night before, and my dog had just got put down before I walked to school. Oh my goodness. So it was an awful morning, people. Like, mm-hmm. And my first reaction was, all right, I'm going to go smoke. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to hate it. And then on the way to school, I felt like there was just so much beauty in the world. Like I looked around and the clouds were like pink and purple and orange and everything was just so majestic looking. And I was like angry about it. I was like, why is it so, (laughs) why is it so beautiful on such a crappy day? And uh, all of a sudden I just, in my mind, I heard the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I looked up into the sky and all I could think of was Jesus. And my heart just started like breaking. And uh, all I could do was try to ignore it as best I could. I'm like, okay, that is super weird. Mm-hmm. Walk into school. The first two people that I saw were the two people who every single day would tell me when they saw me, hey, what's up, bro? Jesus loves you. They were standing next to each other. They walk up to me. Hey, what's up, Josh? Jesus loves you. And again, my heart just started breaking. I couldn't take it. And I'm like, okay. There's something here. There is something here, and I can't deny it. And that is what ultimately led me on a path over the next nine months to confront the sin, to start uprooting it from my life, and getting baptized, and having to uh, completely cut off my entire friend group so that I wouldn't be a part of it anymore. Yeah. You notice that happened, too, before you smoked. That way you it couldn't did. say that's true. I was tripping mm-hmm. or had some kind of reaction to the weed or mm-hmm. something like that. That happened before you smoked. You were in your sober mind. I was in my sober mind you that bet. morning. That's true. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, I mean, here's the thing, you know, uh, that nine month period was really hard. Um, I struggled greatly trying to claw my way out of this life because every time that I would tell a friend like, hey, you know, I'm starting to, you know, go in this direction. I don't really want to be a part of this anymore. They'd be like, okay. And then they'd light up next to me. Mm-hmm. And then they just pass it to me, mm-hmm. completely disregarding what I had just told them because they didn't actually believe that I cared about that stuff. So here they are trying to not just enable me to do it, but to continue pushing me back into the realm of darkness that I found myself in mm-hmm. and continuing to try to get me to go on acid trips with them and continuing to try to get me to go. Uh, do these really messed up, stupid things that they were doing. Well, they don't want you to change because they want no. you to stick around and be with them and stuff like that because they're there. They right. want you there next with them, you know? Yeah. And it seems to be the same kind of thing with all addicts, you know? Mm-hmm. They just want the behavior to continue and continue. And they're more than happy to help you back to the position that you were in. Yep but they're very seldom able to encourage you to take the leap forward and just say, hey, man, go make a better life for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you would hope that good friends would push you to do something better for your life, which was a 
a telling sign that these were not good friends, of right. course. And so, uh, sadly, you know, it got worse before it got better. Uh, those nine months, I, again, I say they were really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I was baptized on 420. Oh really? Oh wow! <laughs> it was it was such you a don't weird say. it was such a weird coincidence. <laughs> so I March fifteenth was when I first encountered Jesus in uh-huh. that way. I started immediately going to church and I asked about baptism and they said, "Well, our next baptism is on April twentieth." And I'm like, "It's on four twenty." Like, yeah, it's on four twenty. I'm like, that is you so kidding me right beautiful. now. <laughs> like, this is so poetic. I love this. Yeah. And so I told all my friends, hey, just so you know, I'm getting baptized. It's on 420. They're like, oh, I'm like, are you guys going to come? They're like, eh. they didn't show up, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it that alone was just so amazing to me. I was like, God is really doing something here. I don't even really understand how to talk to God or how to listen to God right now but I don't care because something's happening. Yeah. And then over the next couple of months, you know, kept battling these demons within me and, you know, struggling with these friends. And it all ended up coming to a head uh, in November of 2013. November of 2013, I had gone on a bender. I was gone for like four days from wow. my house, drinking, smoking. Uh, I was so drunk that I couldn't remember most of the weekend. Oh my. And uh, wow. finally, I came home on a Sunday morning, uh, still drunk, and uh, my parents just had enough of it. They're like, you're, you're 19 years old now. You're a freshman in college now. You know, you can't keep doing this. If you're going to be like this, then you need to leave. You get to make a choice. It's either you stay here and you stop or you're out the door. And I chose out the door. So I started packing up my stuff. I got a bag together. I grabbed uh, some weapons that I had. I grabbed a knife. I grabbed some box cutters and axe, stuff like that. And I went off into the woods. And uh, that's essentially in this, in this state. Again, I was inebriated out of my mind. I couldn't actually like truly process what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it became my position that I needed to end my life as well. Mm. So here I am in the woods with a knife, ready to end it. And all of a sudden, I started getting a phone call. And I look at my phone, and it's my youngest sister. And I was like, okay, I, I have to answer the phone. I have to answer the phone. So I answered it. And she's like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? where are you? And I'm like, I can't really talk to you right now about this stuff. And while I was on the phone with her, four cop cars pulled up behind me because I wasn't very far into the woods. I was like in the tree line. They pulled up right behind me. They, they grabbed me up. They took away all my stuff and they hauled me into the back of an ambulance. They already knew exactly what was happening because my parents saw what was going on. They knew that I was a risk. And so they called the police and used my phone's GPS to track Oh, wow. They Baker Act you. So in Illinois, um, I'm not sure if it's called the Baker Act, um, but it may be something like that. Marchman. It's essentially yeah, the same thing. Something like that. Marchman, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in uh, a mental institution for four days uh, just to help me sober up a little bit. 
And so they could evaluate me, make sure that I was okay until I would go to uh, outpatient uh, treatment. And those four days were so transformative because that's when I realized for sure that I needed to cut off this friend group and that I needed to really start a new life, that I couldn't be back in this spot again. I had a pastor come out and talk to me when I was in the hospital, and he said the corniest thing in the world. He said, you know, today can really be the first day of the rest of your life. Y'all have heard that so many times, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, sure. And I was like, okay, dude. I was like kind of blowing it off at first, but he prayed for me and I was appreciative. But then that actually stuck in my head. <laughs> like the corniest thing he could have said actually made so much sense in that moment. Right. And I really took it to heart. I was like, you know what? He's right. I really need to make some changes. So it was at that point I got out on Thanksgiving day and I got to be with my family for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. And just the timing of everything that happened with that was just so beautiful. And I was like, thank you, God. Like, I have a real reason to be thankful today because I'm alive, first Mm -hmm, of all. mm -hmm. And I get to be restored to my family Mm -hmm. and I get to have a new life. So I start going back to church. You actually started that new life on 420. I I did start the new life on 420, but it felt like uh, the, the process of having a new life was really like completed that yeah you know like it was a hard it it wasn't just a 180 you know what i mean yeah there was no 180 there but you know the work that god was doing in my life between those two periods was really coming to fruition here and the fruit started as well i started going back to church more regularly on my own and i desired to serve in the church as well Mm -hmm. i was just like put me anywhere tell me what to do so they had me uh you know putting away tables and stuff like that and helping set up for weddings Uh, That was pretty much the whole month of December. And then someone was like, hey, you know, you'd be really good with the youth group. And I'm like, you're crazy. You don't, (laughs) you know where I've been the past like four years. You, you don't want to know. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) You will kick me out of the church, bro. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to go to the youth group. Are you crazy? I'm not going to like try to do stuff with kids. That's, that's insanity. No one would trust me with that. But found myself talking to the youth director anyway. He sat me down. We had, you know, coffee or whatever. And I told him the first thing out of my mouth was, hey, I am a recovering drug addict. This is what I've been doing over the past four years. And he's like, you're exactly the kind of guy I want for youth group. And I'm like, are you crazy? And he's like, (laughs) nope. I know for a fact that God is going to use you. And I was like, you're nuts. You're nuts. I don't know. And I found myself in the youth group like two weeks later. <laughs> What's funny is when I interviewed for the job with Pastor Doug and Susan, mm-hmm. I, I said to Pastor Doug, well, Bible says he uses the foolish to confound the wise. So here I am. <laughs> and the two of them about rolled off their chair. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, but the crazy thing is, it doesn't just stop there. You know, the fact that uh, God was already going to start using me, you know, just to reach out to kids. I realized in that moment, like, hey, wait a second, like, God can really use my experiences that I've had through high school and depression and all this kind of stuff to help these and kids. And suicide, yep, you can use too. it all. And all of it. You bet. Yeah, all of it. Because I, I, you know, when you think about the things that plight 
teens mm-hmm. and young people. Those are a lot of the hot topics yes. there, drugs, alcohol, and suicide, yeah. you know, and just dealing with parents and dealing with school. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you were trying to manage all of that, you know, and um, God has given him such a gift though, babe, God, this guy it. can teach. Yeah. You know, I, not real preachy, probably can throw down a, a message if he wanted to, but I've seen him teach. And in mm-hmm. some harsh settings, I've seen him teach. And it's amazing. You can tell that God has has molded and, and crafted that pottery uh, just the way he wants it. Man, you have a gift for that, for Thank the you. teaching. I, I love your messages. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've gone back and watched a few that we've recorded, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So the, you know, like I said, it didn't just stop there because the the compounding uh, benefit of just following Christ and submitting to his will was so crazy during this time period, you guys, because it, so December is when I, you know, started talking to this youth director and he told me, hey, we have a youth retreat coming up on Martin Luther King weekend, oh, which that's is in January. middle of January. Yeah. He's like, I need you to come lead this with this new small group that you have. It's eighth graders. I'm like, okay, it's like, going to be like the first time I meet these kids, but sounds good. I'm going to go for it. And just before that happened, though, uh, I went to the church's uh, Christmas musical. It's the uh, it's the nativity story set to Beatles music, which is so oh, wow. fun. Oh, cool. It's so cool. It's called Let It Be Christmas uh, by Community oh, Christian Church. It's, it's so fun. Uh-huh. Is that on YouTube somewhere? I'm sure it is somewhere. Look up Let It Be Christmas. Let It Be Christmas. Okay. Yes. So anyway, I uh, I went and saw this during Christmas time, and there was this one particular girl that was singing on stage. And oh my goodness, she was beautiful. And I said to myself, there is absolutely no way that a girl like that would go for me. I am a broken dude, and she is a pure lady. I can tell just by looking at her that, you know, she has never done the kind of things that I've done. And, uh, uh, turns out that is now my wife. <laughs> I, uh, I got to meet her officially during that youth retreat mm-hmm. and we started dating two weeks later mm-hmm. and it was just, it's crazy. The kinds of things that God did over the course of less than a year to help transform me because, you know, uh, first encounter with Christ in March of 2013 baptized by 420, uh, intervention in November, start leading in December, and then meeting my wife in January. Wow. Like, that's how Father crazy. rolls, you know? That is how he rolls. It's kind of a similar with us, you know? I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't, we had gotten together and then we broke up because I wasn't ready for her yet. So I had to go through some <laughs> things. I really, and I say that with all sincerity, I, I was not deserving of her. And so the Lord took her away for a while. Hmm. straightened me out and we got back together good by the grace of god mm-hmm. man i tell you i'm so stoked about hearing your story man i i always knew there was there was some real meat and potatoes behind that mm-hmm. that mustache and uh <laughs> i could just tell by by your gift of of teaching and preaching and and stuff like that and man i'm so thrilled to hear the other half, not that I'm trying to glorify your past, but I tell you, your past shapes your your present, 
makes you who you are today. And yeah. I just, I just commend you. And man, I love you so much for coming out and uh, telling your story. I'm sure we could sit and have more coffee and talk all night, but uh, um, the, the chat's been, uh, been going strong tonight and, and everybody's uh, really stoked about what you've been saying. And uh, I want to, I, I want to leave with this though, you know, for somebody struggling in that same area that may be listening right now, what would you say to them? I would say that submission to God will always reap reward, meaning that God is going to work in your life if you continue submitting to his will, because God's will is good. It is perfect and is always going to be for your goodness. And if you are following his way, you do not have to worry about tomorrow. Oh, amen powerful. to that. Amen to that. And but I was one of those guys that that uh, didn't know his will. I didn't know that he had a will. And you, until you come into understanding of that, hmm. when did you or how did you come into the understanding that God had a will for your life? You know, a lot of the things that we take as being true uh, about God comes from His Word, because. Amen. Uh, The very first book of the Bible that I actually started reading was Jeremiah. Oh, wow. And I don't know. I I just randomly flipped open the Bible. I didn't know how to read the Bible. (laughs) But uh, I opened to Jeremiah. And in the beginning of Jeremiah's story, he tells Jeremiah that he has a plan for Jeremiah's life. And I took that and I said, God has a plan for my life. It is written in God's word that he has a plan for every single person's life including yours, if you're listening right now, and if you're struggling to hear and understand God's will for your life, first, just trust that he has a plan. Amen. And secondly, trust that it's good. Ah, double amen on that one. Wow, babe, what do you say to that? I, I'm just really touched by your story. Yeah, and, me too. You know, I just want to say to anybody who's ever thinking about trying to take their life, please don't. Mm-hmm. Please do not. God does not want that for your, for you or for your family. And um, all it does is cause hurt and pain. And there is always another way out, you know, of all the suffering and the torment that you may be going through. God has a way out for you, but you have to ask for help. You know, it all starts with asking him for help and he will provide. Absolutely. Amen, babe. Amen. Josh, I just feel, um, will you pray for us and Absolutely. pray for these folks that are listening and to, to folks that will be listening um, once it's posted and such? Uh, will do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Father God, we thank you so much for every single person that's listening right now. I'm grateful that uh, they got to hear some something that you've done in my life so that it can be encouraging and edifying to them so they can strengthen their faith. Lord, I just ask that if they are struggling with any of these things, with self-doubt, with depression, suicidal thoughts, addictions, or anything else that is burdening them unfairly, Lord, that you just comfort them, that you help them, that you guide them with wisdom and understanding out of these situations so that they can come to understand your will because you freely give understanding of your will to us, God. 
We thank you for who you are. You are so gracious to us. You are so kind to us. You are so loving to us. You know who we are because you formed us in our mother's womb and you have a plan for our life, God. So I just pray that you give these people understanding of your plan as you continue to bring them through life. Help them to know that you are good, that you are sovereign, that you are holy, and that you love them, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, amen. Josh, thanks again, buddy. Totally. Thank you. It was a Thank great you time. so much, man. I'm going to have to have, have you back for a, a part two. I would love to be back. Totally. Yeah, Thank you so much, both yeah, of you. We're going to we're going to make that happen. That's for sure. Maybe we can get McElwain to come on. That and would be fun. Come in yeah. as well. Wouldn't that be fun? Absolutely. Maybe we can do some beatitudes. All yeah. Of us hey, or there we go. Something yeah. like that. So, if you like what you're hearing, drop us a line at GodStoriesRadio at gmail dot com, and our website is GodStoriesRadio.com. And if you feel so inclined, there's a little button on the front, and that uh, helps us keep the lights on. And we uh, certainly appreciate it. If you want to drop a little change in the jar, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest on the show like Josh, it's God Stories Radio Tina at gmail.com. And uh, she will handle getting a date put together for you. But we just, um, we love you and uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us for the last 40 minutes. And again, thanks to Josh and thanks to Zoe for letting him come out and play tonight. <laughs> We really appreciate it, and many blessings on on him and his family. So, well, that about wraps it up for session 317. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless.